1: To take John's hand, we got to hold each other's hands, and we got to say those words we had wanted to say for so long. "I thee wed," "I do," and it really did make us feel completely different. It made us feel better, more complete, happier. And I have to tell you, in the the days that followed, we said the word "husband" hundreds of times a day.
2: I bet almost every yeah. sentence
1: we used "husband," and that was all we wanted to do—just get married and live out John's remaining days as husband and husband. Well, because of that newspaper article, we were connected with a local civil rights attorney who came to our home five days after we got married. And in that conversation, he pulled out a blank Ohio death certificate. And he said, do you guys understand that when John dies, Ohio will fill this form out incorrectly because Ohio will not recognize your marriage. So John's last record as a person will say he died as an unmarried person and Jim, your name won't be there their surviving spouse. Broke our hearts. But I think more importantly, it made us angry. So when Al Gerhardstein, the civil rights attorney, asked us if we wanted to do something about it, we talked about it. Very quickly, Al says it took us less than a minute to come to a decision. We said yes. Yeah. So we sued the state of Ohio in federal district court to demand recognition of, John's, of our lawful marriage on John's death certificate at the time he died.
2: So what motivated you? Yeah. What what motivated you to, obviously I can empathize with, I'm not married, never been married. I can only imagine if I'm sitting there and I know that the person that I've committed my life to and my forever to, and said, till death do us part, I'm riding with you. And then the government says, we basically like act like that doesn't count. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, that would, that would, that would hurt me more than anything. I think, um, was there anything that motivated you other than that feeling? It
1: was the the feeling of hurt, the anger, but it really, I think the underlying thing to that was we just simply wanted to be respected. We wanted John to die with dignity. We wanted John mm-hmm. to die a married man. We had lived in Ohio. I mean, I, I'm born and raised in Ohio. John moved back to Ohio at the age of seven. He was born in Chicago. We were in essence lifelong ohioans and we wanted to exist in the eyes of the law we wanted our marriage to mean something to the government to the state we paid taxes to so for us it was it was pain it was anger and it was just really this the heart of it was we want to exist we do not want to be erased that was really i think at the heart of everything we just simply wanted to be we wanted to exist
2: was there anything that caused you pause in that decision? Because that's got to be a big decision in anybody's life to say, I'm going to sue the state uh, that for I, anything, Yeah, for anything yeah. that I live in. I right? mean, that's a, that's a big decision to say, I'm going to do that. Now you said you made that pretty quickly, but mm-hmm. there there was probably a lot of emotion in there, but was there anything that caused you pause before undertaking that?
1: Absolutely. You know, in my wildest dreams, I had never thought I would sue the state of Ohio. You know, we sued the governor and the attorney general. Never thought that would be something I would do. But when Al asked us if we wanted to do something and by do something, he might file a lawsuit. I will say the things that gave me pause. One, I knew this would take me away from John. Hmm. Maybe not an incredible amount of time, but I knew there there would be things in the course of this that would take me away from John. But John very clearly said, Jim, I think we should do this. And he gave me his permission, his okay, to take time away from him because he thought it was the right thing to do. The other thing, not surprisingly, one of the things that popped in my mind was, well, how much is this going to cost us? Because when you think about any lawsuit, especially one where you're suing the government, dollar signs popped up in my mind. And Al Gerhardstein to his credit, he very quickly, without me even saying anything, put that fear to rest. He said, Jim, and or John, John and Jim, this won't cost you anything. He said, we will do this pro bono. And when we win, because he expected to win, when we win, we will file for reimbursement for all of our costs from the state of Ohio.
2: Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he took, he took the know- monetary decision off the table. for Yeah, it, I didn't even know that did. was a possible outcome
1: right and you know that was good news because we really wanted to do this we 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 were angry we were upset and we wanted to do this but the thought of a lawsuit against the state of ohio i mean i was seeing bills in the millions and i had nothing to base that on but that's where my mind went so the fact that he took that off made that easier for us
2: John John had passed away. Yeah, um, John passed this away. Decision.
1: Yep, he passed away in October of 2013. So, so now it was June 26, 2015. So not a year and a half. Let's say a year and a half.
2: Now this entire effort was started by your motivation to honor his legacy, and for the rest of us, you know, I know where I was at the time. I, I wasn't thinking about John Arthur. I didn't know. Right. Um, and I wasn't thinking much about Jim Obergefell, but I, at least I knew what the name represented, right? How did you put the focus back on John in your own life at a time where the whole world is, or at least the whole country is focusing elsewhere?
1: Sanger, I love that question. Um, you know, for me, when we filed our lawsuit, it was John Arthur and Jim Obergefell versus Mike DeWine and John Kasich. But when John died, his name had to be dropped because a dead person can't be a plaintiff in a case. And I always that always bothered me because it wasn't just about me. It was about both of us.
2: Uh, Oh, man.
1: Right. But throughout throughout those two years of the case, I talked about John all the time. I was talking about him every single day in all kinds of situations. And a lot of people would say, Jim, isn't it really difficult for you to talk about John and to talk about his death and everything all the time? And my response was, no, it actually, it helps me. It's helping me deal with his loss because I get to keep him alive. He's in my mind, he's in my heart, and I'm talking about him all the time. So from that perspective, every time I was speaking, whether it was media, a speaking engagement, an event, I was talking about John, so I kept him alive. And, you know, after the decision came out, I've really just done everything I can to make sure he isn't forgotten. I mean, one of the most amazing things that happened just this past October, I was in Cincinnati in the Northside neighborhood, which is Cincinnati's historic neighborhood, and their neighborhood development corporation had a piece of property and they decided to develop a 57 unit affordable living senior, affordable senior living development. And they were going to gear it towards the LGBTQ plus community. And they reached out and asked, Jim, could, what would you think if we named it John Arthur Flats? So now there is John Arthur Flats, a home, 57 units in Cincinnati named after my husband. That's an amazing thing. There's a street in Cincinnati that's named John Arthur and Jim Obergefell Way. So and it's right on the corner where our condo was when this case began. And really, all I do is I talk about John all the time. He's he's alive for me and I keep him alive for others. And I really love that I can do that. So I don't know if that necessarily answered your question, the no, way you were answered, expecting it. absolutely
2: saying, but... <laughs> answered the question. One of the biggest responsibilities that I believe I have in order to do my job effectively mm-hmm. as a wealth advisor and to live up to the standard that I should do my job is to help people focus on creating a legacy for themselves and honoring the legacy mm-hmm. of their family, their father, their mother, their spouse, um, so that one day their own children can honor their legacy. And it's not as easy as it sounds. And it doesn't sound easy at all. And, and there, it's challenging for a lot of reasons. Self-awareness can get in the way, right? A lack of um, emotional awareness can get in the way. I don't want to talk about death when I'm no longer here. That's not fun. So we'll not do any of the work, right? Or um, people will focus on tactical decisions like, well, yeah, I guess I should update the will. And then it's not even the will, right? Right. It's about you carried on not having ever met John. I know that one of the values that was important to him of being open about who he was had to have necessarily influenced all these decisions that you made about being able to so Mm -hmm. confidently say, I'm going to pursue this case. Um, And I think that's amazing that you weren't out before you met John. (laughs) You met an out man and then you were comfortable saying, man, I'm gonna go to the whole country. I, I'm, I'm totally fine going to the whole country. And if that wasn't something that was important to him, you know, may, I don't know, maybe it would have been a little bit different. Um, but that's, that's honoring the legacy and that decision that you made. Uh, it's honoring his legacy and the decision to, you know, uh, allow um, the neighborhood and the street to be named in his honor. And, and that, that's, it's, it's so cool when I get to see people who make decisions and say, you know what, I'm making this decision not just on what's important to me, but because I know intimately what was important mm-hmm. to this person who I want to honor. Like I think that most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we want that outcome. We want someone to be our Jim Obergefell. We want somebody to say, hey, I'm going to carry on the legacy of me when I'm gone. I want that, you know, I want that for myself. I want to be, I want to be gone and know that people are going to not only remember my name, not only keep me alive, not only speak good things about me, but say, I know Sanger and I know what's important to Sanger. So I'm going to do this because of it. Um, that's what true legacy is. So that, I love that. Like, I think that's really, really special. And I can only imagine how you felt immediately following to be able to stay so in tune with him. Yeah, not everybody has somebody like Jim to carry on that legacy, which is a shame. It's a, a lot of people, a lot of people don't for a lot of reasons. You know, some people are unlucky. Some people, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. But not talking about it is, you know, and you were in a unique spot where you knew you You had to talk about it. You and John (laughs) both knew death was coming, you know? But I wish that more people, I don't want more people to have to be on their deathbed to talk about it. But I wish more people could say, Hey, you know what? We're both healthy. Why don't we talk about it now? Mm-hmm. You know? And not and and I don't mean talk about, well, so oldest child's gonna get the house, youngest child's gonna get the bank account. No, that's that's tactical. It doesn't really matter All at right. the end of the you know day. I- talk about what's important. Hey, in this family, we do this. This is important. Mm -hmm. And this is what I hope that one day when you are a steward of the wealth that I'm currently in possession of, that you can go use this to further these values. And people just don't talk about it.
1: The values, not the things.